a long time ago on a spinner rack far, far away. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. This episode, Logan's Run, issues 1 through 6. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and welcome back to the Comic Book Time Machine at comicbooktimemachine.com. This feed is a series of episodes exploring the science fiction and fantasy books that Marvel licensed during the Star Wars period of publishing, from 1977 to 1986. This episode, however, does go back to a starting point before Star Wars Issue 1, but my experiment, my rules, or something like that. Logan's Run is another classic of sci-fi and another Marvel adaptation. Side note, at some point in one of the issues, and I can't find it, so I can't tell you which one it is. Um, they actually say, see the movie, read the book, eat the comic. I, I can't remember where I can't find it now. But uh, this is based on the movie that was uh, the screenplay was by David Zellick Goodman. And the book itself was by I believe it was by. Well, I'm going to have to find that now because I don't want to be wrong here. But the, the book was by George Clayton Johnson and William F. Nolan. Logan's Run. Now, Logan's Run is one of those uh, quieter sci-fi movies that you that you got. It's one of those movies that's supposed to make you think. Uh, I'm very much reminded of the, the Planet of the Apes or the first movie. As far as just the, the kind of the way that this movie worked, um, the, the the simple idea is that when you hit the age of 30 in this world, you are put into the carousel where you think that you're going to be renewed. In reality, you're just dying and no one lives past the age of 30 and people who want to live past the age of 30 run. They are then chased by the. Well, they're, they're called Sandmen, but they're basically police. Um, I, I like the idea of calling them Sandman. I mean, they're just putting them to sleep. We're not killing them. We're just, you know, letting them die. And <clears throat> so the Sandman, well, and, and in this, then one of the Sandmen, he is sent on a secret mission. And through this secret mission to find sanctuary, he discovers that, you know, nothing about this world is what is he believes and and there's all this craziness that he didn't know about and it's it's an interesting concept a very interesting sci-fi movie uh, became a tv series uh, that we'll talk about in a, in a couple of, of, of episodes from now <clears throat> so issue one hit october of 1976 now this is just a few months after the movie hit in june of 1976 the cover date is january 1977 but you know cover dates don't don't go along with with the uh, with the actual release dates. That's just the way it works. It's an adaptation 
um, there's not much I can say about it. The art is by George Perez. That means it is going to be really, really good. I mean, he is another legend. Um, he does a great job. I enjoyed looking at the pictures. I enjoyed reading the comic. It is very straightforward adaptation. Nothing like Jack Kirby's Treasury Edition, which is just Kirby's imagination going onto the paper. This is solid. And originally it was going to be four issues. It was planned to be four issues. The first issue was scripted by Jerry Conway, another legend of comic books. And he's scripting it from the book and from the movie. There's things from the book that they slip in there. And there's things from the movie that, um, you know, deleted scenes from the movie that they put in there, which were interesting to see planned to be four issues. But when issue two came out, issue two had a new writer. And then they, in the letters page said that it was actually, the adaptation was going to be five issues. Now, now the new writer was David Anthony Kraft. And, you know, I read uh, kind of uh, Jack Kirby's mission statement. And so we do get a mission statement from Jerry Conway in Logan's run. Number one in Logan's letters, the letter column uh, where he talks about meeting the, the writer of the book you know, five, uh, 1971 before the movie was ever made. And then he talks about how, because of their deal with MGM, he says at that time, Marvel had already completed negotiations with MGM to produce our own version of 2001, a space odyssey on sale. Now free plug. And toward the end of the conversation, MGM's negotiator said, by the way, there's another movie coming out that might interest you and your readers. Needless to say, that movie was Logan's run. And so he had been interested in this movie for a while. He loved the, he liked the book and all that. And so Jerry Conway was very, very pleased to, be given this this book to work on and he explains that after uh starting with logan's run number five they're going to answer new questions about this world are there other domes where other people live and and all that kind of thing what happens because the, the movie ends very very uh, the world of logan's run that that world of dying at the age of 30 it's not happening anymore it's it's the ending of a movie and a sequel would have to be something very different in Logan's letters for issue two, though, it's written by David Anthony Kraft. And basically, David Anthony Kraft is making the case for why he is um, going to be why the book is in good hands. He talks about how he's a sci fi writer and um, his his first fiction sale at age 18 with a was a sci fi vignette called Mira. It appeared in the 19 or September 1971 issue of Amazing Stories. My most recent brush in the field is the personalized 2001 a retrospective, which appears in the Marvel Treasury special edition of Kubrick's and Clark's 2001 a Space Odyssey. Satisfied, he says. And so he he then um, they they also mentioned, though, that, uh, well, the adaptation is going to be five issues and not, not four, like they said. And so those five issues pass by and, and you're reading them, you're reading the movie. And this is something that is not unusual because it's five issues long. That gives them a lot of space and they don't have to compress too much. They do skip over some things. They skip over the part where Logan, uh, Logan says to Jessica, Hey, let's have sex. Um, and they turn that into, Hey, let's, and, you know, that kind of thing. But, but it's a comic book and it's on the stands next to Spider-Man and stuff like that. And so they they, they they do kind of clean up the hedonism of that world, because, you know, this is, again, a, a, it's a nihilistic world. They believe you're going to be renewed at, at the age of 30. 
but while you're living, you, you live, you know, and, and it's, it's casual sex and it's, um, food and you can go in and have your, your, uh, your face and body completely rebuilt. Just, you know, just walk in and have this laser surgery and which becomes a nice set piece for an action action scene. The, the thing is here is that there's nothing special about it, but there's nothing wrong with it. And so while I enjoyed reading it, it's not going to be something that I'll just sit and open up and look at like that, that 2001, a space odyssey treasury. Um, it's just, it's just solid. And if you're a fan of the movie, definitely, definitely hop in your time machine and check it out. Go back in time, get one. But, um, with issue six, we changed writers again and, and artist, uh, George Perez is no longer drawing at, with issue number six with issue number six. We get the first issue of finding out where are they going to go from here? And it's, you can tell that they're, they're, they're going to crunch for time because the story itself, I think is only, um, maybe like 12 pages or so they, they, they put in a backup story. It's the first solo Thanos story, which unfortunately makes issue number six, something of a collector's item more than it deserves. I, I think um, this is also Mike Zek. He's the artist on this. And they say that this was actually a tryout for him. This was his tryout for Marvel. This uh, Thanos ca story called the final flower. <clears throat> And where are they going with this? Well, I'm not really drawn in uh, to where they're going. I mean, basically, it's it's just a whole lot of, of riots and just where it feels like the story itself is just trying to figure out, well, we don't know where we're going. So we're just going to kind of put it in a holding pattern. We're going to take a page and go ahead and and uh, give give a flashback to the beginning of the, the, the to the previous five issues, the, the movie. And then the very last panel, they introduce the one possible character who was actually still alive at the end of the movie, uh, who would would pose some sort of threat, um, and that's the, the the children that are they, they call them um, cubs. They're kind of off on their own until they they have a gem on their hand, and when that gem turns green, they have to go and become adults. And so, where is the series going? I read issue one. Where is the series going? I say. Who knows and who cares? With 2001, I would have been dissatisfied if I was buying these on the stands. But to be honest, I would have enjoyed myself and been curious about the next one because it's Jack Kirby and he's being crazy and he's drawing barbarians and he's drawing space aliens and stuff like that. I mean, it's his 2001 is bonkers, man. It's it's zany. It's wild. It's crazy. This is it's solid, but it's dry and it's straightforward but not a lot of energy. George Perez brings talent to the page, but that doesn't, that doesn't let it rise above. So that's, that's Logan's run and Logan's run. Uh, we we're ending with issue number six here, which is cover date, June 2000 or not June 2000, June 1977. Um, because Logan's run 2001 and what we're about to talk about next, those all, published at the same time as Star Wars, which will begin soon. But what's kind of cool about this, and I didn't realize, is that the movie hit theaters in June 1976. Well, that is a year before Star Wars. And in a lot of ways, to me, 
Logan's run is kind of the end of an era. If 2001 is the beginning of an era, a new era of science fiction, which brought uh, this new era of science fiction brought things like Planet, well, Planet of the Apes was at the same time as 2001, but the sequels to Planet of the Apes, um, Silent Running, Slant Green, I Am Legend, no, not I Am Legend, um, Omega Man, which was a, a remake. Um, uh, it was a, a an adaptation of I Am Legend. <clears throat> And and then Logan's run, Logan's run is kind of the end of an era before Star Wars comes on the scene and, and changes the entire landscape of science fiction, which is why actually a big reason why I'm, I'm sitting here in my office talking to a microphone about these comics is because Star Wars, um, there are a lot of things that kind of pushed me into becoming a comic book writer and into becoming wanting to be a writer at all. And one of the things that made me want to be a storyteller was Star Wars. I mean, it had a very, very, very big impact on many, 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 many people. And I am one of those people had a very big impact on a very on me at a very young age. So in the next section, we will be talking about John Carter, Warlord of Mars, number one. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, What Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time. Next episode, John Carter, Warlord of Mars, Issue 1, cover date, June 1977.